Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored with me, Jeremy Kyle. The summer of strife. Food prices are surging. And now a plague of deadly wasps is bound for Britain. Our panel has some tips on how you can at least avoid being stung at the supermarket checkout. Also tonight, how to raise a billionaire. Elon Musk's dad, Errol, joins me exclusively. Plus, the Premier League is back and so is Big Sam Allardyce. He's here live with some blistering advice for current England boss, Gareth Southgate. Good evening, my friends, and welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored with me, Jeremy Carr. Now, the big man's still away on his summer break, but we'll do our best to bring you the usual fistful of big interviews and feisty debates. And to tell you the truth, I'm rather getting used to filling in for Morgan. I've started arguing with myself in the mirror when I get out of the shower. I had a nightmare about Meghan Markle last night. Certain cabinet ministers have started crossing the road in terror to avoid me. And most notably, my friends, I've broken the habit of a lifetime today. I've started twittering. Whatever that means. Look at this, there I am, at J. Carl Official. Like an intercity express, you'll find me on all platforms, but I will arrive on time, and I'm self-driven. Uh, my tin hat's on, so use me and abuse me. More of the former, if you don't mind. But, importantly, I really would love to hear from you because all of this week we're bringing you analysis and expert insights on Britain's summer of strife, the cost-of-living crisis. We'll talk food, we'll talk energy prices, transport, and much, much more. And we want to know how you're coping and actually not, so please do not be shy. Right, first tonight, the cost of living crisis and what to do about it. New data today from the post office reveals that as the summer heats up, more and more people are going back to cold, hard cash. The post office handled more than 800 million quid in personal cash withdrawals in July, the most since records began, and a spike of 20% on last year. Thought to be due quite literally to people counting the pennies and helping themselves to budget. Surely just another sign of a creeping crisis that is engulfing every single one of us. Today we're going to talk about the surging price of food and joining me now are restaurateur and celebrity chef Anthony Worrell-Thompson and financial expert Gemma Godfrey. Guys, welcome. We were talking there in the introduction. Start with you, Anthony. It's not getting any easier, is it? No, no, it's not. I mean, everywhere you go, I mean, I'm, I'm, 
got restaurants. I mean, the prices have gone absolutely skyrocketing. I mean, it's not just the fuel to just take a, a, a 20 liter tub of oil, 17.99 to 42.99. Unbelievable, lamb up a third, beef up more than a third. And that's gonna be reflected in the supermarket as well. You know, they do try and keep their prices down, but they're being charged the prices. So as a restaurateur, your prices are going up and, and you know, that's because your suppliers' prices are going Absolutely, up. Absolutely, yeah. And, and what, is it, what is it telling you? What, what about business? Are less and less people uh, eating out? I mean, I was in a restaurant on Saturday night, right, with my kids, and it was ridiculous. It took hours. It took two hours. And the guy said to me, Jez, there's no staff. Yeah. There's no suppliers. We're really, really struggling. It is tough. I think we're lucky. I think we've become a destination restaurant, so people are going out for anniversaries, birthdays, that sort of thing. So I think what's cut back is the everyday eating, where people would maybe eat out two or three times a week as a matter of course. And I think now it's going to move much more to celebrity stuff, where, where you, you, you're really enjoying the occasion. It's a special occasion, you know. And food prices... I mean, it's going to be a lot of restaurants, from our point of view, who go down the tubes, you know? What about people who wouldn't be able to afford to go to a restaurant? We're talking about everyday foodstuffs. We're mm. talking about prices going through the roof in all levels of supermarkets. We've talked about Ukraine and grain, but what is... I mean, we talked about a hosepipe ban the other day and crops dying and, yes. and that. What is essentially causing this and what hope can we give? I think a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon, personally. Um, I mean, you know, logistics have gone up, you know, transports have gone big time, staff wages have gone up a lot more than they say they have in the press, from my point of view. And I think it's the, obviously, you know, utilities, massive. Um, people aren't, they're not dropping their rents. Uh, it, it, it's just, and also the Ukraine war obviously is putting a huge... I've got, I've got one question. That. You know, when prices go up and, mm. and suppliers and restaurateurs and supermarkets increase their prices, and I, I mean this respectfully, when it balances itself out and prices, rise, prices lower then, do, do, do supermarkets and restaurants show the reduction as quickly as they show the increase? No, I've got a nasty feeling they won't. Um, you know, when they, they drop the VAT in restaurants, you didn't notice many price drops in the restaurants, you know, when people dropped the VAT. Um, it's going to be a tough one. Um, I mean, you know, just as a vicious example, I mean, our utilities, we used to pay 12 grand. Now we're paying 37 to 40 grand. It's ridiculous. Gemma Godfrey is going to join me every day this week, financial expert. And, and actually, we were talking last week and you said, I, I, I try and give people tips. Mm. And in the past, maybe people would have thought, what's the point? But it's becoming real. And, you know, people will say to me, oh, why are you peddling this? Because it's true, right? It is. It's actually critical. I mean, we're going to see, in the wintertime, we're going to see families trying to choose between feeding their families mm. or staying warm. Mm. And when you're looking at those edges, it means that these small changes can make a difference. And there are lots of people that are struggling. But there are things that people could do. I mean, there's a website, there's a government website where they've got, um, it's called Help for Households, and they've actually put a lot of the deals there. So, for example, you've got all the deals with the, the supermarkets are making, mm. you know, feed your family for a fiver, those types of deals. So that's a good place to start. OK, let's not get stung. There's also beware of, don't go to convenience stores because you pay for the mm. convenience. But also then don't travel too far where you're paying too much in petrol. And then be careful of um, loyalty programmes, compare them. And I think the last one is, uh, we talk about prices increasing, but we're not talking about is sizes shrinking. Is that for the mm. same thing, you're going, you're going out and you're not getting as much as you used to. 16 million households will fall into food poverty. Let's just leave that out there. That's just... Crazy. And, and I don't, you know, listen, we can be as political or non-political as we want. 
is it time for the government? There's lots of stuff today, you know, Johnson's on holiday, the government's paralysed, we're waiting for this leadership debate. I'll nail my colours, I think it's ludicrous, but Boris Johnson can't win, can he? Because they told him not to do anything fiscally because he's not the Prime Minister, and if he did get involved, but... Should we not be doing something? Should there not be some sort of help right now from the government? Definitely. Yeah, there should be some form of support because what we're hearing now is about tax cuts. They all come later on. What people actually need is people are living hand to mouth. Yeah. And I think one area where we could uh, have a, an improvement is around waste. I mean, we tend to waste about a quarter of our food. Well, I was going to—I want to say this to you, Anthony, yeah. because everybody goes on about food wastage. There is always going to be food wastage. How can we not recycle? Is the wrong word. How can we not I think be that... making that more available to the people that need it? Well, the, yeah, I mean that. That's one thing, but the key is also shopping when you need it, not thinking, oh, I might need it. You know, don't do the big sh shop anymore. I mean, I, OK, it's going to use a little bit more petrol, maybe, but buy things as you need them, fresh things. But there's also another idea. What you could do is if you take your weekly food shop, you take your receipt, you put mm. it on your fridge, and then every time at the end of the week you've actually thrown something away, yeah. you cross it off, and then you end up with a list of just the items you need. Can I say something that, that would come from my mum, God rest her soul, but, but this probably wouldn't be popular with everybody. Is it time that... Uh, th there is a crisis, I absolutely yeah. accept mm. that, but should not more families be advised, helped, shown to go back to basics? Are we uh, not, also, if we're honest a society that is using convenience foods and not doing what they did in the old days without wanting to sound ancient, right? I personally think they should tax what I call unnecessary foods, so all processed foods, all foods that are ready meals, and, and make people have to pay. If they want convenience like that, they want to be lazy, they don't want to cook, tax them on that. And I think, but the essentials in life, we should draw up a list of what's essential and ideally... We should do deals with supermarkets as those prices can come down. I mean, supermarkets have been getting rid of a lot of their sort of value ranges, which is wrong. Uh, they should be bringing those back and trying to help the impoverished families, you know? You, you, you were going to say something there. What yeah. do you make of that? Well, I think the only challenge is hardworking. There are lots of, you know, single parent families, hardworking families mm. that have been pushed down to using convenience yep. food yep. and it isn't as healthy and they're getting into that rut. So I think there are a lot of families out there that don't know where to turn. They've been told to do ready meals. Now they're not healthy. Mm. Now those prices are going up. And we, we heard today um, a certain supermarket has brought out a value range and because they coloured it yellow and yellow is known for reduced, they're getting a lot of backlash that people are now embarrassed to use yeah, it, rather than it, yeah, mm. rather than it being promoted as a way to save money. This is going to this is going to affect everybody, students, mm. care homes, you know, uh, all, all sorts of people. And 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 as I say, we, we do this. We're going to do this cost of living crisis every single week. We Gemma, every night this week, and we're going to look at different parts. But food, we had the the chairman of or the president of the NFU on Friday, and he was saying, you know, that, that this drought. This lack of water, the crops are dying, they're more expensive. I mean, it is possible in this country to, to wake up every day and think, what the hell is next? Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you think about... I love using the example of milk, right? Yeah. You get an increased price of gas, because obviously energy prices are going sure. up. That means that fertiliser's getting more expensive. It's getting more expensive to feed cattle. Then you have the labour, then you have the machinery. In every aspect, food is getting more expensive. And as we said, we're going towards the winter when people are going to be spending more on energy. So we all agree there's a problem and we all think that the government needs to do something, certainly needs to be uh, a bit more visible, but people are going to have to, which again, going back to the older generation, they're going to say, you know, you're going to have to get your head down and do something yeah. about this. What can we say? What can people, just a few things, what can people do to make that, that budget stretch, to make that food shop easier? Batch, batch cooking for me, I mean, start, I mean, OK, not everyone's going to afford a freezer, but if you could make stuff in bulk, yeah. it doesn't take any longer to cook than a small portion so you can batch it up, um, bag it up, uh, tub it up and freeze it. 
put a date on it, know when you've frozen it. I think the supermarket's got to help by having less packaging so someone could pick up a couple of tomatoes instead of a whole carton of tomatoes. What about a cut of meat? Help me out. I want to make a batch. People watching this, what's, what's a good cheap cut of meat that's good? Uh, we would use something like clod and sticking, which is a good stewing stuff. Um, you get the babettes. Um, Topside is a boring old piece of meat. It's used for roasting this country, but it's actually very dry. But uh, something good mints, you know, used mints, it is so cheap. And I think use the time of the supermarkets when prices are going to be down, end of the mm. evening, first thing in the morning. You've got to shop around and, and don't buy unnecessary goods and go with a shopping list because people impulse buy. And that's why cash is coming in because people don't want to run up a credit card because yeah. they're tempted to that. Gemma, final word from you. I just think that the more people shop around, the better deals obviously you can get, and the more you're encouraging supermarkets to then remain competitive as well. But honestly, we need more help with food banks. There are so many families yeah. out there that are really struggling. Well, we're going to talk about food banks later in the week. You know, people would assume that they're open all the time. They're not. People would assume that they're heavily, you know, supported. They're not. Mm. There's all sorts of stuff. But thank you both very much. But we need to be smarter. Yes, the government can do more, but we do need to take responsibility, right? Yeah. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Gemma. Uh, more of that tomorrow. Next on Uncensored, though. Jess's journos are back. I'll be talking by uh, Talk TV legend presenter Mike Graham and former newspaper editor Emily Sheffield. They're with us after the break. We're coming back in three. Don't go anywhere. Let's get this right, right? Rocketing inflation, an energy crisis, a war in Europe, and a pack of butter costs the same as a flight, although all the flights are cancelled. Now, could travel by rail, but frankly, you've got more chance of seeing Boris Johnson at work than a train driver. Interest rates are up too, not on Rishi Sunak's leadership campaign. And now, just... There's a deadly super swarm of sugar-crazed wasps heading for Britain. Truly, it's a summer of strife, but at least the sun was out, right? Time for a beer, excuse me, and a barbecue... And a barbecue with your friends on the lawn. By the way, health and safety said don't eat this. Would I? Ridiculous. Fire chiefs, them not, want to uh, ban our barbecues over safety fears as Britain basks in another scorching heat wave. This very weekend, I thought, you know what? Take the kids, take the grandkids to centre parks, get back to nature. I packed the car with a load of cheese and meat for the grill. And what should greet me on the arrival? The Illuminati, a big sign, marvellous. No barbecues in the forest. You'll set fire to it. No, I won't. It's a nanny plate. Now, of course, an open fire can be dangerous. Tick. But for goodness sake, Sensible Brits like me have been sizzling sausages for decades without burning the house down. And if your barbie is ablaze, don't worry about it, because you won't be able to put it out anyway, because hose pipes are now banned in three counties, with more to follow, because there's a drought coming. Last week, a lawyer on this show said, we should snitch on our neighbours if we catch them watering the grass. Don't water your grass, but grass your neighbour up. Grass your neighbour up. Did you like that? Uh, well, <laughs> out of your mouth, not mine, but... Uh... But, no, but that's I, what you're saying, but we have to take responsibility. I'm saying speak to your neighbours, and if, if, it, if it comes to it, then, of course, then you can report them to the local authority. <sighs> and you know what? I have to say, at the time, I disagreed with them, and yet, as I wandered around the forest this weekend, I did find myself wanting to snitch on the people in the other huts as I caught the odd scent of sausage drifting across the nighttime forest skies. That's what this nanny state does, you know, it breeds suspicion. My view, it's the first summer we've had to be allowed to go out without our face masks on and stand next to each other for ages to stop snoop snooping on our steaks, surveying our sausages and gawping at our gardens, or put simply, burger off.
You get that. Right, I never dreamt of telling you two to burger off. Uh, delighted, Jezza's journalist tonight welcomes Talk TV presenter Mike Graham and journalist and former newspaper editor Emily Sheffield. Don't anybody go near that burger. It looks absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Welcome, welcome, both, both, both. Um, Thank you. Can we start... Um, uh, uh, we've just talked about food. Can we start about the government, OK? There are real, real problems in this country right now, whether it's gas prices, electricity prices, petrol prices, food prices, you can't see a dentist, you can't get a doctor's appointment. I know this Tory leadership campaign is going on for another month, but, Mike, where is the government? It feels like we're paralysed, doesn't well, it? Well, listen, I went away for two weeks, right, and I came back and nothing had actually changed. There's nobody in charge. Nobody seems to know what to do. Um, I don't know of any other business in the world where the summer comes, people go on holiday... And nobody does anything. I mean, you know, I went away for two weeks. They didn't say, let's close down Talk TV and have no show between 10 and 1 because the guy that normally does it isn't here. You know, where is the leadership? You know, we all remember John Prescott with his little jar of, you know, Peter Mandelson as a lobster or a crab or something like that. You know, and you always worry that the guy that's put in charge is a bad guy and he's not going to do anything good. But we've got this kind of perennial now just nothingness going on, as long as, I, as long as Boris Johnson is still in charge until September the 5th. Well, there's no-one doing anything. The, the thing is, I, I, Emily, I'd sort of support Boris Johnson in that everybody said that if you do anything fiscally in the next six weeks since you got deposed by those, those MPs, then you're stepping on the st to toes, if you like, of the, of the future. But MPs have got six weeks holiday. He only has two. Do you not think that this country, with what's happening, needs leadership now? I do think it needs leadership and I also think that politicians, prime ministers in particular and cabinet ministers do need holidays. So I'm not one of those who thinks it was a terrible thing that Boris had one week's holiday. He's been working flat out. But if we look back to last summer when Afghanistan hit and we found that Dominic Raab was mm. on a beach... Uh, the head of, most of the head of the civil servants did not come back from their holidays. Now, I appreciate people were feeling holiday-starved. We'd gone through a horrendous pandemic, and people are allowed holidays. But it's also, if you work in the government, it's, an, it's, it's a huge privilege to work for this country. If something, if a crisis hits, you come back from your holiday. If you run a business and a crisis but, hits your business, do you think anybody you know. is still sitting on but, their but, yacht but not, on but, their beach? No, but, they're not. But with respect, not just the government. All these politicians, Starmer's on holiday. They've got six weeks mm. off. And I think that if you look at what's going on, the average man and woman, the length and breadth of this country, would go, what am I supposed to think? We're, you know, we're not over-egging this. These are dire yeah. times, aren't they? No, this is like a digital uh, world in which these politicians are operating in an analogue government. Yeah. You know, they're working as though the world hasn't changed. They're, oh, let's all take loads of time off at uh, summertime, Christmas, Easter. Yeah. The world doesn't work like that anymore. No. People work all the time, round the clock. They take their holidays when they can. Yeah. They see their kids when they can. You know, forget all this nonsense about, you know, work-life balance. That's not what I, I want I, from the I, government. I never thought that I would agree with Gordon Brown. He was on television this morning literally saying Cobra should be in, you know, the emergency session of senior ministers should be sat, should be dealing with this. He's right, isn't he? I don't know, actually. I think they could definitely be having a Cobra meeting. I mean, Cobra meetings happen nearly every day anyway. They're always given this special title, but Cobras are incredibly common. But I do think there is an issue that... Rishi actually has, the government has got a 
billion pounds package about to come in and that's not coming in until October so we've already had one chunk of payments to the most needy more payments are coming in October so I don't know there's an absolute urgency right this second to be dishing more money out what, what do, do you say to the people then who well, can't no, afford but that's, so that's the point I'm going to make what I think there is a real worry at the moment is we're all listening mm. as voters to these terrible headlines and there's no one coming onto our television screens mm. or our radio stations yeah. saying don't worry, everything's That's exactly going to be what okay. I mean. I, I'm not saying... Yeah, maybe we should be on an economic war footing, but the people that we vote for, I think, mm. very quickly before we wrap this, should be saying, you know, calm down, we're on it, we're doing... Yeah. There's no leadership. It's yeah, like a rudderless stuff, ship, yeah. There's isn't stuff it? going out on Twitter. That's we've, about I mean, it. We've been, waiting, we've been that, talking about this since, since about February, saying yeah. when, when, when is something going to happen? You know, it's not good enough to just hand money out. No. It's our money they're giving back to people. Mm. What they need to do is cut taxes, cut the green levy, cut something so that... Stop subsidising the oil companies. They're all getting very rich, thanks oh. very much indeed, well, on, no, our, to be on fair, our subsidy. To be fair, it's Sunak who put a windfall tax on them. He did. And it's Truss who's about to remove it, which well, I think is one of the more ridiculous planks of her Well, whether you campaign. think it's ridiculous or not, he hasn't got a hope in hell's chance and they should call it off right now because she is heading to number 10. Richie well, Sunak's got... Might oh, for goodness, Emily. Not Emily's got anything to do with <laughs> it. Rishi Sunak. I'm looking at her Twitter. I want this to finish now. This could go on until 2027 and Rishi Sunak's going to come second. Uh, this is an appalling story. I'd love you taking it. The Met Police strip-searched 650 children over two years. Uh, I want to take this from you. The Met Police has, has really been criticised justifiably on so many fronts. Uh, Dame Cressida Dick resigned. Um, what do you make of strip-searching 650 children, some on the street, over two years? Well, I wrote about Child Q, and that was a particularly nasty case where a young girl, without her parents being told, was strip-searched in her school. No teacher was allowed in the room. Two police officers... Um, a young black girl, she had her period and they actually made her pull her knickers down. I'm, I'm sorry, it's re I mean, that, the child cue... I, I wrote a pretty vicious column towards the Met about that because I, I, I really feel that was a really... Dis how could those two cops have been in that room well, and well, thought that was appropriate behaviour? I completely but agree. But I think what's worrying about this wider report that's come out is that 53% of the cases, no further charges were pressed, mm. nothing was found. I think it's 21%. The children... And let's there was be no clear, adult for a quarter of them, of them. Some of them are 17, so we're not talking about tiny children here. We're yep. talking about teenagers, and we do know there is a problem with teenagers carrying drugs because, unfortunately, they are used as drug mules by the drug dealers, and it's a very, very serious problem in this city. I understand that police do sometimes need to search, sure. but there are not enough safeguards in place. They should... The parents need to be there, or another adult needs to be there, or a lawyer needs to be Completely there. Agree. There clearly aren't enough safeguards, and it's not OK. No. And it's, also, it's all about humiliating people. People, isn't it? It's not about finding... I mean, so what if you find, you know, a couple of grams of cocaine on a 17-year-old kid? You know, it's not exactly going to stop the drug epidemic that's going on in London. County yeah. lines, no. I mean, it's not going to stop it. You know, and the idea that they're simply t telling these kids that they have to take all their clothes off, it's just about making them feel awful and rotten. And as mm -hmm. you say, Emily, I can't imagine a police officer as a human being thinking it's a good thing to do. It's I, I, I have to say, and I said it already, I think the Met Police is in dire straits in so many ways, mm. and quite rightly so. And and this it's is on another. special measures now, so... Um, literally. Um, here, here's a couple of other stories for you. Um, an Australian cricketer, Italia McGrath, was allowed to play in the women's T20 gold medal match today despite testing positive for coronavirus. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there. Apparently, she could play and win a gold medal if she wore a mask under her helmet, didn't, didn't go anywhere near anybody sat away from her friends, although she meant to touch the ball, uh, and she... 
They didn't let Novak Djokovic into their country. No. What's all this about? I know, it's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? I mean, it just shows you how crazy the world was that we were living in. And when Djokovic was told he couldn't play in the Australian Open, that should have been the watershed moment when they went, you know what, actually, you probably can, it's probably going to be all right. You're on a you're tennis probably court. You're going to be on a tennis you're probably going to be fine. They've now finally seen the light. I see this as an actually a, a good thing. Do you? Because finally... People have said, yes, there is COVID. Yes, you're an athlete. Yes, you can play your sport. And if somebody else gets it because of you breathing on them as you're running past them, they'll probably be OK. Good man. Uh, Emily? Well, oh. the only thing I'm going to say just is that what if I turn around to both of you now and said I've got COVID? I've had it twice. I haven't, by the way, but well, I'd would say you mind? No. I think that's the only no. issue. I'm very easy with it. My, my family have had COVID God knows how many times. I seem to be... I, I haven't had it. I keep nursing my children, my husband, blah, blah, blah. But I do think it is falling into... The, the fear left over from COVID is quite serious. And some individuals still get incredibly frightened. And we've only just had France, for instance, drop. So my son had to be tested for COVID. We nearly messed up our whole holiday in France. Luckily, he went negative on the day. France has now just dropped that. Yeah, exactly. But, but we were talking 24 yeah. hours. Well, I would have about... lost... Two flights, a holiday, yeah. like a good chunk of money. Of course, but only because of the fact that there were these ridiculous restrictions, not because you'd well, done anything wrong. I guess the wrong. restrictions were there at the time. They did make sense. They didn't. But it just... It I don't just, think anything made sense of it. Was it was timing. I would, I would, a lot of it is about Biden, timing, you know, Biden's had it twice in the last month, you know. So what does that tell you? He keeps Every time you see him, he's wearing a mask. Absolutely. I've only, got, next I've only got one minute. Four in, uh, four in ten channel migrants are from Albania. Leaked military intelligence report shows 37.5% of migrants crossing the channel in a six-week period in June and July were Albanian. Yeah, I've been saying this for a long time. It's a commercial enterprise run by criminal gangs to get people into this country. Of course we should be happy to bring people into this country who need to be rescued from war zones. But these guys don't. They can come here legally if they wanted to. And you know, you, know, you and They're I agree finally... on this. I'm slightly worried that, that everybody seems to think that France is a war tour. Well, zone. Why did you find... want to go on holiday to a war-torn zone? You know, Why they've they finally they done that. <laughs> Listen to me. Months ago, I said, it's an easy thing, this. You just stick a knife in the dinghy. The French authorities have done that today. They've actually punctured a dinghy. Well, That's the way to go. Well done, the French. Mind you, I mean, there's, they're going to have to do that because you can't get through Dover, can you, Emily, <laughs> no. to be fair? So we might all be going across in dinghies quite soon. It's, it's, it's not... Dover's fine just now. Just go on holiday. Dover's fine now. Jacob Rees-Mogg said, go to Portugal. Well, he would know. He would indeed. Uh, what an absolute pleasure. Will you come back next week? Will you come back next week, Emily? Well, I might be in a dinghy trying to get to France. Michael, you're back on That's Thursday. That's where to go. I'll you're... be back on Thursday. Absolutely, you're in it, aren't I'm you? I'm in. Uh, thank you, uh, Mike Graham. Thank you, Emily Sheffield. More from Jez's Journals tomorrow and after the break. The Premier League kicks off the new season and says that players won't take the knee before every game. But several clubs didn't get the memo. After the break, former England manager Big Sam Allardyce is uncensored. We're coming back in three. Don't go anywhere. 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome back to Uncensored with me, JK. Now, the Premier League is back. I'm a West Ham supporter, which means I spent the opening weekend of the season being steamrolled by a big bloke from Norway. Elsewhere, the focus was on that perennial question of the modern game, to knee or not to knee. Now, the league says it's ready to move on. Players will no longer routinely take the knee before games, only, it says, at significant moments. Well, several clubs considered the start of the season significant enough. Uh, players from West Ham, Palace, Spurs, Liverpool and Arsenal all did it anyway. So the big question, vacuous virtue signalling or something that is still a powerful stance against racism on a major platform? I'm joined now by a legend. Uh, Ex-England, West Ham, Bolton and Notts County manager and many more. Uh, the legend that is Sam Allardyce, who... Welcome, my friend. Welcome, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, are you back taking the knee? I'm back taking the knee, absolutely. I think, but I think it is time that it, it, it moved on. I think there's, there's a time when... I didn't realise it was two years or more since we first started taking the knee. But I'd have to say what's coming out now is the right way forward, where gradually they are doing it less and less. And as the uh, PFA uh, chief executive said, it's an individual choice now for me. It is. And I, it's and an individual choice where if you feel comfortable doing it, do it. Yeah. And if you don't, you should be allowed not to. I think it's all about impact, isn't it? And when, yeah. you, when you see, I said it last week, when you see footballers doing it and the people in the terraces are clapping, those are the, the people that don't need to be taught about racism. And I wonder, yeah. I said it last week, made of mine, Dave suggested this, I wonder whether clubs, chairman players should get out in the community and use their fame and their success to spread the word about anti-racism that way rather than taking the knee. Not against it, but I just wonder whether it is what it was. Well, there's a huge amount of work done in the community, particularly at your club, by the way, a very, very good community programme, West Ham indeed, like, I mean, where they get out in the most... Whether they're doing it in terms of uh, the racism side or not, but every player's contracted to do seven hours a week, not the players... They ask them to do seven hours a week with the, with the schedule, but they all turn out... All the, well, most of the players turn out. And, of course, West Ham, the most popular player who turned out most was Mark Noble. He was. He uh, was let, let, let's talk about the beginning of the Premiership season. Are you missing it? Yeah, you miss it. I mean, it, it, you know, it's your life. It's your whole life. So when you're used to the pressure, when you're used to looking forward to the start of the season, working with the players in, 
and getting going, you, 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 you do miss it, you know. You... So Mrs Allardyce has had you all summer. I know exactly no, what will happen. might be getting too fed up with me and want me to go back. Well, you see, it now... It might be the case. Never say never if you're Sam Allardyce. she's watching, it might be the case. She is watching. She wrote, yeah. she texted me earlier. <laughs> uh, but apparently, on a serious note, uh, your phone starts ringing about November, December. You're going to enjoy yourself now and you're going to wait for trouble. On a serious note, yeah. first question, would you go back? If it's the right club, I think I would, yeah. I think miss it. Right, the right, the right, you miss it. I think I've still got... Still got some years left in me, and I think that having having had over a twelve months off since uh, since West Brom now, you know, I, I do I do miss that the desire to get in amongst the players, to work with the players, and to use my experience to help a football club. It's no longer for me going to take a football club like Bolton Wanderers did and take them into Europe, or or go go to Newcastle and try and take them to Europe. It's about going saving a football club because that works. That's how people have labelled me. Red Adair Sam. I'm quite happy with that. Of course you are. Um, and the bonuses that come with it. Very quickly, an overview of the, the start of the season. This is my overview. Yeah. West Ham had 106 passes in the first half. Man City <laughs> had about 1,000. They look unbeatable. If I was Eric Van T- I mean, Manchester United, they start by losing at home to Brighton. The mystique of that club, nobody's talking about them being being in the top four. For me, the performance of the, the, the Saturday, and I hate to say it was Spurs, I think Spurs will be a major, major force under Conte, don't oh, you? Oh, I thought that... I watched that game as well. I thought that uh, uh, the, 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 the comeback, the shock of the goal, early doors, but you can see um, Conte's influence. Oh. Known him for a long time. Met him in Juventus many years ago. Uh, came to West Ham when he yep. was national team manager. And that man really is... His way or no way. And whatever the Tottenham players thought about who they were or who they weren't, Antonio Conte will say, it's my way, lads, or Loads up the road. So he's got them fit, he's got them organised, and there's some good new players being bought by the looks of them. Uh, loads of questions. Who wins the Premiership? Manchester City. Who gets relegated? Um, Southampton. I think Nottingham Forest... Maybe, maybe Southampton this year, uh, and whether it, whether it may be Bournemouth or Fulham, even though they've started really well, will depend on what they've recruited when the window shuts. Bolton and Fulham will be phoning this man before Christmas. Let's move on to the (laughs) Qatar World Cup. Uh, This week marks 100 days to the Qatar World Cup. So much written and said. Uh, Former Germany captain Philipp Lahm today says he won't be uh, attending it due to the the country's human rights record. You, of course, managed Newcastle. Newcastle taken over, uh, as we know, by a Saudi-backed public fund. What's your view on sports washing? Live Golf has come out. There's there's money being involved now. What's What's your take on all of that? Money rules across the world here, you know, you know, bring your money in, you can get in here. I must say about the European I, Golf Tour because I'm I mean, passionate golf, about this. Yeah, Live Golf, you know. Well, you know, Live the, Golf, it, the DP World Tour is sponsored cre- Dubai Ports, and that's Saudi money. So you're right. right. So, you know, so it's it's money talks, and money will talk in sports, in, in tennis, in golf, in football, at, at, at every single level, of course. And now, now they've got the World Cup, they will want to make the biggest show on earth of the World Cup when it comes in December, of course. I mean, they've spent so much money on the stadiums, uh, which will be obsolete once they've finished, and, 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 and they want to 
they want to show what they can do. That that's what they, mm. that's what Dubai started doing. Everybody else has followed that, and because of the wealth of those countries, they will continue to do that. I never thought I'd get a chance. You've got to the ask. boxing as well. They have. I never thought I'd get you a, a chance to ask you, one of my heroes. Um, six years ago, next month, sat by England after 67 days. A travesty, oh, no. in my humble opinion. Thank you. And I mean that genuinely because I know what it meant to you. Uh, I know that you've opened up about the toll it took on you because you are yeah. England through and through. Mm. Um, here's the question you never thought that you'd be asked. Go when on. you watch the semi-final, when you watch the final, the nearest and greatest opportunity this country has had for a long time, you'd have won it, wouldn't you, Big Sam? <laughs> well, I'd have to say yes to that, but that doesn't say that Gareth hasn't done a fantastic job. He has, but, you know, you always back yourself when you when you got the job, when you've d d done the job and you waited for it for so long, then you would... You would back yourself from day one when I walked into St George's Park. That that would be the the ultimate goal. When you grow up, football's your life. You make it to England manager, just as a mate. What did it do to you when they took it away? Oh, I think there's only family got me through. The the the, the family got me through the time, the dark times, the dark period, uh, the depression. The you know I didn't go on TV and talk about it talk about it that much like people I think should do today I perhaps I should have talked about it more but in the end the family family got me through no matter and lots of friends in football and then more importantly later on Steve Parrish because he gave me my life back as a football manager and I uh, enjoyed immensely my time with uh, with Crystal Palace and Steve Parrish and showing what everybody what I can still do and that was get them get them out of the relegation zone but England will always always stab me in the heart, but there you go. You have to get over it. When you see England being successful, is it tinged with a little bit of regret? <laughs> well, that, that could be me. There's no danger about that, you know. That, you know that, but in my opinion, that should be me, but it's not. So, you know, uh, and to see that squad and the quality of that squad as well, to think that could have been my opportunity, but uh, you can't cry over spilt milk. And I guess in the end you go, well, I did get to become the England manager. Correct. Um, and that meant that my peers and my employers thought that I was good enough for that. What's next for Big Sam? Waiting well, for the call? One would never know. I mean, there's a couple of jobs abroad that I've turned down because it's a bit late in my time of life at 67 to go, packing my bags and moving away and going abroad and going... To, that would have happened 10 years ago. Thankfully, I would have tried it. But now it will, uh, it will hopefully something will turn up. Whether that might be in the Championship again, who knows? But certainly... Certainly having another shot, um, I've got a bit itchy again. I've got a bit anxious again, like you mean, because the garden looks OK. Yeah, and, and Sammy, no... Lee's... Sammy, Sammy Lee's, Lee's yeah. annoying well, Sammy, you. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah. I mean, he... Sammy Lee's probably more desperate than I am, Sammy, yeah. you know what I mean? Because we have a great partnership there. Listen, you're one of football's great men. Personally, uh, I thought it was gutting when you lost that England job, but everybody knows how good you are, and I've absolutely no doubt, before December, Big Sam will be back saying, yeah, well, we'll do our best. We'll, we'll block up the defence and we'll, we'll hit well, some goals and we'll do it. I had a great four years at your club, so... Moisire's not doing bad, is he? Not bad at all. Listen. He's absolutely brilliant. Sam, thank you very much indeed. Sam Pleasure Allardyce. to be here. Thank you, my friend. Now, before the break, let me bring you some sad breaking news. This is just in. Dame Olivia Newton-John has died. The news posted on her official Facebook page in the last few minutes says she passed away peacefully at her ranch in Southern California this morning, surrounded by family and friends. The post reads, Olivia has been a symbol of triumphs and hope for over 30 years, sharing her journey with breast cancer. She was 73. More after this break. We're coming right back. <laughs>
Welcome back, my friends. Just returning to that sad breaking news before the break. Dame Olivia Newton-John has died. That news posted on her official Facebook page in the last few minutes says she passed away peacefully this morning in California, surrounded by family and friends. And the post read that Olivia has been a symbol of triumphs and hope for over 30 years, sharing her journey with breast cancer. She was 73, and we'll do our best to have a response to that between now and the end of the show. Who will ever, ever forget Greece? Right, we move on. Um, now, Errol Musk has more reasons than many to feel fatherly pride. To be honest, 269 billion of them, to be precise. His son is the billionaire SpaceX and Tesla mastermind Elon Musk. Uh, Errol, though, an engineer and a self-made millionaire himself, he has six other children. So perhaps he agrees with Elon's view that population collapse is the greatest threat facing modernised civilization. Uh, he joins me now. Uh, Errol Musk, good evening. Welcome to uh, Piers Morgan Uncensored. Without Piers Morgan, my name's Jeremy Carl. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Jeremy. Nice to talk to you. Uh, there you are in South Africa. Can I, I suppose I would start by saying um, thank you. Uh, I mean, you, you, you created this business genius, and yet it would be fair to say, Errol, that all of your kids are high achievers, which means it's all down to you. Is that right? Well, that's what you say. Well, they are all high achievers. Uh, so it would be wrong for me to say that anything else. Why do you think they are? Um, I think um, it's uh, in built into the, the sort of a work ethic that we inherited from... Uh, our, our parents and, you know, grandparents and so on. I mean, you were, you know, you run a major engineering business. You were a millionaire by the age of 30. One wonders whether your kids would have had the same success. Actually, it's an interesting subject over here at the moment with everything that's going on <laughs> about opportunity and what you're born into. Do you think that Elon <laughs> and all the other kids, if they hadn't been born into that wealth, would have been less successful? Well, of course, of course, um, they, they were used to um, things that it made it ne not necessary for them later on to uh, have those things because they had the, many of those nicest things when they were when they were children. Is um, I mean, uh, let's take Elon, the world's richest man. Them, did though. you did you did you put the wind in his sails? Did you? Did you set him on his way or was it all him? Because, I mean, you know, he's the richest man in the world and you're his dad. That's quite impressive. Well, you know, uh, of course, you know, I always encourage him and uh, we've uh, never turned away from hard work. And um, we have a, a sort of um, grasp over the world where we feel that we are able to do things and so we want to do things and so we try to take on things that other people say can't be done that's 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 about it you know i i get that taking on spacex and tesla is quite different to your average take on a different job uh yeah, there was a bit of controversy this week which is why you wanted to come on uh, uncensored because you said that although you're proud of him you don't really like him very much but you said that you were misquoted i, 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 I mean what are you jealous of him man i mean i think i'd be jealous of my son if he was, I'd, I'll tell you one thing if my son was the richest man in the world i'd, I'd, I'd phone him every day <laughs> yeah no um no i never said anything like that 
So I, I have been proud of him from the day he was born. And a person doesn't suddenly become proud of your child. No. That's ridiculous. Do you... And, um, yeah, and, and then as far as saying I don't like him, I mean, that's crazy, you know. Well, I know that you... I love you've, him, you know. I, I mean, know we... that you felt that you were misquoted and we wanted to put that right. So, a few more questions. Oh, yes. oh provider of the world's most richest man. Uh, do you think that uh, his business ventures are good for the climate? Oh, well, I think in terms of the overall thing, they're not making a great deal of difference. On the rocket side, I mean, obviously, I suppose, I don't know if you're talking about rocket trails, but um, most of the stuff they burn is hydrogen. So on the car side, obviously, there's a, li a little bit of uh, carbon saving using electric cars. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's coal-generated power stations, but maybe in due course we won't have that either. Um, somebody I read somewhere this week described your son as sort of Iron Man, so my question is quite simple. Is he a superhero or a flawed evil genius, in his father's <laughs> opinion? No, no. No, he's a superhero. Superhero. He's a very, very nice person. I never thought uh, that I would be... help anyone. I, Errol, that's lovely. I never thought I'd be asking this on television. Um, a Colombian firm has asked you to donate what they describe as your super sperm because you seem to produce children left, right and centre. What, more than me. I mean, my dad, before he passed, said, go back to work because you're going to end up with more kids than Boris Johnson. But yours are all billionaires and all over the place. What is it about you, man? What have you got that the rest of us haven't, Errol? <laughs> well, well, I'm, it's, ten, it's, now, it's ten pounds per... per Per, per little individual, you know. <laughs> OK. Um, no, uh, just, just... no I, I'm not doing that. Oh, right, OK. I did, it worried me that it was Colombian, but that's just my opinion. Um, I noticed earlier you talked, <laughs> yeah. a, you talked about being a strict parent. On a serious note, is that yes. something that you think helped all your children go and, 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 and go for their goals oh, yeah. in life? Oh, yes, Absolutely. I mean, they were travelling with me when they were tiny. I mean, all over the world. And uh, I couldn't uh, keep an eye on all three of them. So I, they, I had to rely on them, you know, and point out to them, you know, in China or wherever, uh, especially my blonde daughter in China, you know, they wanted, you know that she's not safe. And, and, and so I had to rely on them. And I made sure they understood that I relied on them. And I did not tell them... What to do? I never signed anybody's homework in my whole life. In fact, I was quite surprised uh, one time when uh, the kids were at, boys were in high school. They grew up with me. They, they were raised by me. And they grew up at high school. Uh, I mean, uh, they grew up with me. And they came to me with... Uh, uh, one day I was at a function and a parent mentioned that about signing homework. And I said, signing homework? And then later I spoke to my son, Kimball, and I said... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. What's this thing about signing homework? He said, oh, Dad, don't worry, I mastered your signature years ago. <laughs> yeah, listen, many, many kids will have done that. Now, here's a quick question. I haven't got much time. Um, does Elon turn to you for advice? I mean, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking Twitter, 44 billion or whatever. Does he, does he say, Dad, what should yes. I do? Because I just want you to know I joined Twitter today well, for the first time. You can follow me, JK Official. And I just wanted to know what I was expecting, if your son's going to buy it, my friend. Well, um, yes, I do give them advice, obviously, from day one. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, Elon has a lot of other people giving him advice. But I hope he takes my advice. Um, so is the Twitter deal going to go through, Errol? I was asked... I, two years ago, I applied to be on Twitter... And I was told that I was already on Twitter and that I had 458 posts. So I said, no, I'm not on Twitter. And I had to get hold of the family company to, to uh, ask them to tell Twitter that that's not me. So there's obviously something not right there. Um, very quickly, um, you advised That's your son to get security. You said he's becoming more and more political. Is that advice he's taken from you, yes. Errol? Well, I hope so. I definitely hope so. And um, it's a very important thing. Very, very important. It certainly is. And, a lot um, of crazies out there. What, a, what an extraordinary man you are. Ten children to three women. You make me look like I've done absolutely nothing. You're the father of the richest man in the world. And you look fantastic. If I look like that at 79, I'll be well happy. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. If he does buy Twitter, tell him to get me that blue tick, because, honestly, I've only got 12. Listen, I've got 12 supporters in one day. Jesus okay. had 12, and look what happened to him. Uh, listen, Errol Musk... Really? Thank you. Uh, well, follow me, mate. Thank you very That's much great. indeed. Uh, Errol Musk, live from South Africa. Great to have him on Uncensored. Also, Sam Allardyce, Mike Graham, Emily as well tonight. Loads, loads, loads that we've done. We're back tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Thank you so much for watching. We're standing by for the talk on Talk TV. Whatever you're up to tonight, remember, make it Uncensored. Have a good one. ta -ra.